0: You're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person. This is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground. I'm your host, Phil. What's to get to, as always, every week seems to bring new news and new excitement in this post-election, post-COVID world. And right now we've got so much news flying at us. It's like Sidney Powell says, it's like evidence coming from a fire hose right now. It's just so much to get to. Obviously, we want to talk a little bit about the national election, what's going on. Has the Kraken been released this past week? Also, is there a new challenger poised to rise up and challenge Gavin Newsom for his governorship in 2022? And is there good news on the recall effort? There's so much to get to. We're going to get to all that. But first, let's get to the Outer Gate monologue. Laundry gate, the new term coined to discuss Newsom's lavish dinner at the French Laundry, has turned into a bit of a PR nightmare for the governor. Mere days after tallying Californians he is sending many counties into the purple tier, the most restrictive tier, according to his color-coded chart of confusion, went and dined inside without a mask at one of the most lavish and exclusive restaurants in the country. In attendance were lobbyists as well as the president of the California Medical Association. Hmm, interesting. Pictures have now surfaced showing that he went to the event, broke every guideline he has issued to the comma folk for their holiday gatherings. The event was not held outdoors, contrary to what he originally said, so he lied to us. The participants were not seated six feet in part, in fact, they were very close shoulder to shoulder. They were not wearing masks, when not actively eating or drinking, and I'm sure there were more than three households present at the dinner. Basically, everything you were told not to do, Newsom and his wife did the exact opposite. Now, the hypocrisy, of course, is glaring in this instance. One of my favorite quotes from George Orwell is, some animals are equal, but Some animals are more equal than others. Besides the blatant hypocrisy at play here, the duplicity of the event has many Californians saying to themselves, if the virus is as deadly as Newsom says, then why is it okay for him to go out to dinner and violate every guideline he's issued? If you're looking to instill trust in your citizens about what you're ordering them to do, then you've basically undone all of that in one night. Mayor of San Diego and hopefully a gubernatorial candidate for 2022, Kevin Faulkner tweeted a harsh criticism of Newsom and how he doesn't play by his own rules. He was spot on. Elected leaders who don't abide by their own rules are not true leaders. And therein lies the rub. I saw a video of Governor Cuomo lashing out at a reporter over the issue of school closures in New York. He seemed stressed, exasperated. It seemed like Cuomo was losing his cool during all of this. Likewise, in Michigan, Governor Whitmer now peddles false conspiracy theories that a militia of Trump supporters is trying to kidnap her. This turned out to be false, but of course it fit the narrative. Which leads me to this question. Are these leaders really equipped to actually lead their states? I don't think many of these leaders believe they would face a -a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic such as this. I believe they figured they would easily win their seats to power and enjoy two terms of basically little to no scrutiny while collecting big salaries and benefits of being the governors of their states. I don't think they ever imagined being put through the meat grinder that COVID has put them through. They're under intense scrutiny and observation for everything they do. They never imagined publications like the LA Times would be calling them out for their hypocrisy. I doubt any of them are truly prepared or strong enough to tackle such an issue. The problem is, though, their mental breakdowns and shortcomings are not just affecting themselves, but millions of people who they govern. They are not making the tough call's needed to both protect citizens from the pandemic nor protect their livelihoods. Instead, they opt for draconian measures that seem smart to their base but make little sense in the real world, as evidenced by their own actions. Hence why it's important to elect leaders not based on looks and personality, but instead on any proven track record of making tough calls when necessary. Citizens should not have to come up with crazy contingency plans because their leaders fail to be prepared for the worst. California especially deserves better, and we need to make that a goal in these upcoming elections. So, in national news, uh, there was a big press conference with Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis. Um, There was a lot of talk about the Kraken being released this week. Everyone was saying, release the Kraken. And I think this news conference was pretty bold. It was pretty strongly worded. Um outside of the fact that Rudy Giuliani had some hair issues with his hair dye or whatever, which obviously became the headline for everyone because they weren't really taking this seriously. I think they touched on a bunch of things. I think Sidney Powell, I've said this before and I'll say this again, Sidney Powell, from one attorney to another, it's important as attorneys to keep your reputation, okay? There are plenty of fly-by-night carnival barking attorneys who just want to get the quick buck and don't really care about their reputation. There's plenty of suckers who will hire them because they're carnival barkers or whatever. I'll say this about Sidney Powell, though. If you are an attorney like Sidney Powell, who is the lead counsel on 500 cases in the Fifth Circuit, you are not doing this as a cheap carnival barking trick because you're some fly-by-night attorney. Sidney Powell is the real deal. Now, Rudy Giuliani has been in and out of law. He's been practicing law. And now he's you know the lawyer for President Trump. He obviously had a distinguished career as district, district attorney, which then led him to become the mayor of New York City. But Sidney Powell, I think, is really the linchpin of all this. If Sidney Powell is going out there full-throated on shows and in press conference and basically saying, look, I have evidence that will overturn a lot of these elections. We have evidence that will invalidate hundreds of thousands of votes. I tend to believe someone like Sidney Powell. Now, Jenna Ellis, she's a little younger. She's with the Trump campaign. I understand that she'll probably have a job with the Republican party forever now because she'll just be Jenna Ellis from the Trump campaign. But Sidney Powell wasn't someone who was brought up through the Trump camp. She has made a distinguished career for herself as a federal prosecutor and now as a private attorney defending uh, in federal court and appeals cases. So when someone like her comes out and says that she has the evidence, I tend to believe her. And it seems like she's getting more and more frustrated. I saw someone tweet that they worked with her for many years and the fact that her voice trembled and you could tell by her body language and how she was talking that she is clearly upset by what she's seen, the evidence she has seen. And I know that there's this whole issue with Tucker. Um, Tucker came out and said that they wouldn't provide any evidence, even though Sidney Powell said that she did provide evidence. They were going to provide unseen affidavits, which no one had seen before, exclusively to Tucker Carlson, and he was rude. And whatever Whatever happened there, I mean, Tucker's now trying to do damage control on it because Tucker's essentially the last remaining person that anyone's going to tune into Fox News. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of Hannity people, but Fox News is basically falling apart. If you ever want to destroy a network in about Two weeks. That's essentially what Fox has done to themselves. And Tucker is not helping himself. Now, of course, I I, I will say this as a side note. I do worry that if the right becomes so dogmatic that anyone who dares to speak against the narrative, it becomes an issue of that, okay, well, if you're not agreeing with us 110%, then obviously we're going to get rid of you and we're going to turn our backs on you. I would caution against that because that's the same stuff that the right has been calling out the left for this idea that you have to appeal to our dogmatic beliefs 110%. Otherwise, you can't be a part of us. You can't sit at the table with us, essentially. So I would caution about that. If Tucker was rude to Sidney Powell and Sidney Powell tried to work with him on it, obviously that's a mistake on his part. Sidney Powell is not someone to disrespect or call out and call as a liar. Uh, I think her reputation precedes her, and that's why I think it was bad on his part to kind of see like he was maybe more powerful or bigger than this. And it's kind of backfired in his face. I mean, I like Tucker. I like his writing. I like his, his monologues. I think he's been doing a good job on uh, calling out really what's going on here, that it's not really Democratic versus Republicans, more establishment ruling elite versus the plebs or what they view as the common folk in the plebs. But with that said, I think... We saw this week a very strong, assertive press conference from Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis, and as well as Joe Genova and his wife. These are some heavy hitting attorneys. Um, So we'll see. I I am waiting with bated breath. I know a lot of people are starting to get impatient, but I will tell you this as an attorney, these things don't happen overnight, okay? And Rudy Giuliani made a good point that a lot of evidence... So in a normal trial, what happens, or in a normal lawsuit, I should say not in a normal trial, trial is part of a lawsuit. It's just a different stage. When you get to trial, that's a whole different stage. There are a lot of stages before you get to trial. It's not you file a complaint and then you show up to trial the next day. Usually what happens is there's a complaint. People answer the complaint. They try and move to dismiss the complaint. Maybe they try and get the case thrown out, anything like that. And this could take months years i mean normal personal injury cases could take years because it takes so long what they do is they file a complaint they go back and forth then you get into discovery and discovery could take forever because you go back and forth with discovery and that's what rudy Giuliani was talking about discovery is where you send requests and you get information and evidence for your trial or for your impending motion or whatever you're asking from the court so I understand that it does take a while for this to happen. And they're trying to get this done within two weeks. And a lot of people are saying, well, you don't have any evidence. Okay. Well, they have hundreds of affidavits. They file a lot of evidence. There's a lot of cases out there that are not really directly related to the, they're, they're not the Trump campaign. There are other people who are suing on behalf of other individuals. Um, you know, there's a lot of lawsuits flying around. Obviously, there's plenty of attorneys out there who are taking up the cause and suing. But at the same time, it does take a while to get this evidence together. And when you show up, you want to have an overwhelming amount of evidence to convince a court or a judge to say, look, look at all this evidence. You know, one affidavit's not going to do it. One person going in and say, well, I, you know, I saw uh, these ballots that looked pristine and new. Um, therefore, we should invalidate the whole election. Now, they're trying to get as much evidence as possible They're They have to go through a process. These things have to take a little bit of time and you want to make sure you get it right you don't want to half-ass any of this law or, or legal procedure because any misstep could cause the other side to file a motion to either invalidate your evidence or get your case thrown out so they have to be careful and they have to abide by what the court procedures and the court rules are there are some emergency procedures that you can follow obviously like a what they call temporary restraining order but uh, you can't just go into court, slap down a bunch of evidence in a lawsuit and ask the court to immediately make a decision. It does take some time. And I think, again, someone like a Sydney Powell knows what she's doing. She's smart enough. She's strategic enough. I mean, just look what she did with uh, General Flynn in the fact that she convinced him based on strategy and what they could file to get the case thrown out or to have the other side drop the case. That's a whole other issue, what's going on with that judge, Judge Sullivan. Uh, but this is what is going on. So I think if they had this press conference to say, look, we have the evidence. We're filing this in court. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. Again, I would take Sydney Powell's word for it. I don't think Sydney Powell would put her name and her reputation on the line. Now, maybe like a Lynn Wood, possibly. I think Lynn Wood is more of someone who likes to, to run to the spotlight. Um You know, I think he's he's very good. There's some attorneys, like I said, there are some attorneys. They're they're spotlight chasers. They are carnival barkers. Uh, A Gloria Allred comes to mind. You know, Gloria Allred is fast to get to a press conference as fast as possible. Get her name out there. Now her daughter's following kind of her pattern and doing the whole well as fast as I can get a press conference out. Same thing with Michael Avenatti. There's a lot of these attorneys out there who just super fast to run out and get a press conference so they can get their name and they can get more cases and they can make more money uh i don't think a sydney powell is someone like that i don't from what i know about her she seems like she's already had a very well established career that she's very well respected in the legal community people know that she's a bulldog people on who have faced off against her in cases have said she's tough she is not someone you want to go up against So I don't think she would throw all that away on some big conspiracy. I don't think she would just throw it away to get a couple press conferences and some time on networks if all this fell apart and it turned out there was absolutely no evidence. So that's my feeling on what happened this week with the Kraken being released. And there's a lot, you know, and it seems like. Every week, it kind of changes his path to victory. If you're talking about these legal paths to victory, it seems to change a little bit every week. And, you know, first it was, we got to wait till Arizona comes in. I was hoping Arizona would flip red, which would change things. I don't know what's going on with Arizona. It's close. It's within about 10 to 12,000 votes. It seems like they kind of want to do an audit there. Georgia is a whole mess right now with what the governor is doing there. Pennsylvania, it looks like that's where a lot of the evidence is going, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. So I think if you go with Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, if you can flip those States into the Trump column, I think you're in a pretty good spot. I haven't looked at the numbers. Let me see. I'm going to pull up my 270 to win right now. I have, uh, let's see, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan as toss ups as well as Nevada and Arizona. So let's now just go ahead and turn Wisconsin and Michigan all red so if he just flips wisconsin michigan and pennsylvania without worrying about georgia arizona or nevada trump wins with 277 it's a small narrow victory it gets him to 270 and a lot of people are saying as long as you get to the 270 you can find out all the election fraud you give yourself that time to find out more election fraud afterwards and so that those are the three states right there. You know, Pennsylvania, they just reassigned a bunch of Supreme Court justices to these different circuit courts, uh, which is a big deal. So, you know, Thomas, uh, Justice Thomas is going to be reassigned to where Georgia is. Justice Alito is being reassigned to Pennsylvania. And I'm sure Alito is already on top of this because he's already issued orders that Pennsylvania has not listened to. So he's very up on this with Pennsylvania. I don't think he's very happy about the fact that Pennsylvania hasn't listened to him. Uh, I think it's Kavanaugh and the notorious ACB are Wisconsin and Michigan. So we'll see. We'll see where this all goes. Um, But right now, if I'm looking at the numbers, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, if they're able to flip those or find enough voter fraud to invalidate them, that's 277 right there. And Trump does win. It's narrow, and I'm sure the whole country will go apeshit over the fact that he won by seven electoral votes. But who knows, it may be one of those issues where, hey, does he need to stay in office to find more election fraud? Does he need to stay in office so that we can go and really dive into this stuff? Um, Because my fear is that if they did engage in election fraud in the United States and there's all these systems with Dominion and Smartmatic, (coughs) excuse me. Are we ever going to know the true depth? Is this stuff going to continue to be used going forward? Can we trust in our processes? And that's really my worry is not so much whether Trump can win or not, but if there is widespread voter fraud and there is a lot of evidence that could shake people to the core, I think the American people deserve to know whether their elections are fair and free. Um, because if not, then then you have absolutely no confidence in who you're voting for in your government. And that's dangerous. And you never thought in the, in the United States of America, you'd start to believe that the elections are rigged and that the, the, the winner is already predetermined. Um, so that's where we are right now. Next week, who knows? It's Thanksgiving. Do I think they're going to take time off for Thanksgiving? I I doubt it. I don't think they're going to. They may take some Time off. Hopefully, they take some time off. They're working their butts off. But it sounds like, according to Sidney Powell, in the next two weeks, they're going to be able to prove it that they have the election fraud. So take it to the bank, whatever, trust her. But that's really where we're at right now. If you just flip Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, okay, then I'm playing some games here. Let's see, flip Arizona and flip Nevada. Yep. See, even if you give Biden, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada stole stolen comes to 261. It's really Trump has to focus on these three states, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. If he can win those, then he's in good shape. Of course, we can always go back and play around and be like, Oh, well, if they flip Georgia, something's wrong with Georgia and they flip Arizona. And now he's at 304. But you know, that's not really the point. The point is to get to 270, keep him in office so that we can find out if there's more election fraud going on with the Democrats in Dominion. What's Whatever is happening. Um, so that's my take on what happened this past week. Obviously, another big issue dropped this past week, not just the Kraken being released. Uh obviously Laundry Gate, as I like to call it now, has become all the talk of California. It's national news. Gavinism, if you haven't heard, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't checked any sort of social media on this fact. Uh, he was essentially caught and reported that he was at the exclusive Thomas Keller restaurant in the Bay Area called French Laundry. French Laundry is a very, very exclusive, very expensive restaurant to get into. Uh, and the word came out that he dined with about 12 people. So that was bad enough. It was bad enough that you're, you're the governor who is closing a lot of places down. You were already at the beginning of this week gung-ho about sending a whole bunch of counties into the purple tier, which closes indoor dining at all these restaurants. They now have to all be outdoors. And then the report comes out that you are yourself dining at a restaurant. Now, of course, you know, when he first got caught, he made this really bad creepy apology where he was smiling and smirking you could just tell when someone's not really being genuine and gavin Newsom is definitely that greasy car salesman uh you know old noodles Newsom, noodley newsome he looked like he wasn't being genuine like he was only apologizing simply because he was caught not because he actually was sorry i think he only was sorry because he got caught and that came out and then the a day later, a day or two later, then all of a sudden Fox LA, uh, channel 11 obtained photos of the dinner and that blew everything wide open because then you could see he was sitting shoulder to shoulder indoors at a private restaurant with a private big table with about more than 12 people. You can imagine more than three households and it just blew the lid off of this laundry gate scandal. Um, and I think it, it encapsulates really the issue of what people have been saying, which is rules for thee, not for me. Same thing with the, the George Orwell quote I said in the opening monologue, which is some, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. And that's how I think Gavin Newsom believes it. Really, the, the frustrating thing about this whole laundry gate is if it's as dangerous as you say it is, And I have to give a hat tip to uh, the the Instagram handle Rooted Wings. She pointed this out, and I thought this was a great way to describe it. Uh, You're being duplicitous by saying one thing, by saying it's so dangerous, you have to stay indoors, you can't go to Thanksgiving, you can't celebrate the holidays the way you want to, you have to have them outdoors, you have to have a mask on when you're eating and drinking, you have to be six feet apart when you're sitting next to each other. You have to, you have to, you have to and then at the same time turning around and doing everything the opposite of what you just said, how many people, how many millions of people in California are now looking at you and saying, well, I don't, I, you know, if it's that dangerous, why are you going out? And of course he tried to give some justification. Oh, you know, I, I didn't know there were gonna be that many people. I didn't know it was gonna be indoors. I thought, you know, okay, well, if it was that bad, then you should have just left. When you showed up and you saw that many people, and you knew they were all not from the same, you know, three households, you should have turned around and left. That would have been the noble thing to do, to say, hey, look, you know, I'm the governor, I, I you know, I believe. But it shows he doesn't really believe this science as much as he's peddling. And that's really a frustrating thing to a lot of Californians, is a lot of people are losing their businesses and they're losing their livelihoods communities are absolutely falling apart and they will be decimated by the end of Gavin Newsom's COVID reign. Yeah. He kind of just goes to eat at the French laundry at this expensive restaurant. well, you know, this county was less restrictive, even though I threw not, you know, 90% of California citizens into the purple tier. So that's where I think people get really frustrated. And like I said, you're not instilling the trust in people. In the beginning, I think there are a lot of people in the beginning that back in March and April and all that, when they said, well, we've got to close this, we got to close that, we kind of got to put a pause on everything to figure out what we're doing. We want to slow the spread. We want to get everybody up to, to speed. We want to make sure everybody's prepared and ready to go. That was March and April. And I think people believed it because we didn't know a lot about what was going on with this virus. We just were told a lot of how bad it could be. Now... Eight, nine months later, we know a lot more about the virus. We know a lot of people who've been out. We've seen a lot more science come out about it. We've seen different studies. We've seen all this stuff. And now they're trying to do it again. And they're trying to say, well, I wonder if the people are dumb enough to fall for it and do it again. And at this point, people are saying, wait, whoa, 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 wait a second. We tried this before. It didn't work. We destroyed You asked a lot of businesses and a lot of people to sacrifice a lot the first time around. And now you're turning around and saying, oh, you know, let's, let's ask you to do that again. But not me. I'm not going to sacrifice my way of life. I'm not going to sit here and put my life on hold. Same thing with his lawmakers, the Democratic lawmakers or, or the lawmakers from California. I, I don't know if we haven't gotten the names yet, but the lawmakers who flew to Hawaii for a conference and their justification was, well, we have to get back to some sort of normalcy. Don't you think 90 percent, how many people, millions of people in California want to get back to some sort of normal? Don't you think they, they want to get back to some sort of normal? But now lawmakers are saying "Well, we have to get back to normal. It's ridiculous that you think we're going to just not go to this beautiful conference in Hawaii. Like, duh, like we have to get back to normal. Well, the lawmakers and Governor Newsom seem to think, well, we just want to get back to normal. But you guys will never get back to normal. You guys are going to be masked up. You can't eat inside in restaurants. You can't do these things. You can't celebrate your holidays. You can't celebrate Christmas or whatever. Okay, so now we can't do any of these things, but you can certainly go out and do these things because you have to get back to some sort of normalcy. And just a side note, not to be a little bit crazy about this, but is it weird that they're, they're always picking on Thanksgiving and Christmas, that they're always saying Thanksgiving and Christmas? Oh, we have to get rid of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay, there's a lot of other holidays. What happened to it's happy holidays instead of saying Merry Christmas? Now it's we're focusing just on Christmas. There's a lot of other holidays that happen in December. We have Hanukkah. We have Kwanzaa. There's a lot of, you know, we have the winter solstice. There are a lot of other holidays. So the fact that they're saying, well, you have to cancel Christmas. Why don't you just say we have to cancel all the holidays? You're not being very inclusive, Gavin Newsom. Okay. All these people are saying we have to exclude or or just cancel Christmas. You're not being very inclusive to our Jewish community, uh, to our uh, African-American community with Kwanzaa, uh, to our pagan community. Uh, You're not being very inclusive, Mr. Newsom, by just singling out Christmas. There are a lot of other holidays. Um, I'm not sure. Is there a Islamic holiday in December? If I do, I don't know. Um, I haven't heard of it yet. But anyway, so there are some issues I want to talk about. And then I want to talk and then leads us into where we go from here and the challenger i think who is rising up who i've been calling it i've been calling a lot of people don't think that i've been calling it but you know i have been i've been saying and anybody out there who is a major williams fan i'm sorry to say this might be some bad news for major williams um but we'll talk about that in a second uh this is from politico now politico has been hammering gavin newsom it's bad enough that la times now you have politico is hammering Gavin Newsom on what's going on. It's not good right now. This is a PR disaster for Gavin Newsom while he shuts everyone down again. Oh, and also tells you every time you step out of the door, you have to wear a mask. So anytime you're outside, you have to wear a mask. Um, Even though there was a study this week that came out from a Danish study that showed that masks, no masks don't really make a difference. Also, there was a study that came out today that showed that asymptomatic doesn't really transfer. So if the point of wearing masks because asymptomatic transfer, but they did a study in the Wuhan, China with 10 million people. It showed that there wasn't really any asymptomatic transfer. Then why are we worried about mass if you're asymptomatic? Anyway, that's a whole different issue. I want to talk about more about French laundry. Uh, so the title is Newsom's cozy ties with top is showcased by French laundry dinner party. And this is from, like I said, it's from Politico published earlier this week. Not every political operative can celebrate their 50th birthday with the governor of America's most populous state during a pandemic, and not every political operative is Jason Kinney. California Governor Gavin Newsom is weathering a ferocious backlash for his decision to attend a celebration for Kinney on November 6th at the French Laundry. Now, if you're not familiar with Jason Kinney, it's because his name has popped up before, and we've talked about it on this podcast. He is a lobbyist, and he was part of the lobbying group that also lobbied for oil permits Uh, A couple years ago when Gavin Newsom was first uh, inaugurated. Uh, After the private day was exposed by the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, also bad if the SF Chronicle is turning on you, Newsom said that while the outdoor meal did not violate coronavirus predictions, he showed poor judgment in attending. He reiterated that point in a public apology on Monday, saying it went against the spirit of state rules as coronavirus cases surge across California. While the meal amplified criticism of Newsom's coronavirus management, with the governor parrying ac- accusations of hypocrisy, it also cast a brighter spotlight on Kinney and the dual clout he wields in the insular world of California politics. The longtime California Democrat politics fixer has had a hand in both winning campaigns and influencing policy. He was chief speechwriter for Governor Gray Davis, served for years as a senior strategist for Senate Democrats, and has long counseled Newsom politically. He continues to advise Newsom on politics, even as his lucrative newly launched lobbying firm works on bills that could land on Newsom's desk. Kinney is not the first California political operative to blur the line between politics and policy. The doors between campaigns, administrations, and Sacramento's lobbying corps have long swung open for people with contacts and experience to leverage. Excuse me. He's got some deep roots in government. Like any successful lobbyist, he uses those to his advantage because he's smart said Steve Mavlio, a Democratic operative who has also worked both for California government and for the interest groups that seek to sway it. Any special special interest hires the best talent they can get, and that decision they made with Jason. The governor and Kinney have a relationship extending back decades. And apologizing for attending, Newsom referred to Kinney on Monday as a friend that I've known almost 20 years But the fact that Kinney, a registered lobbyist, got an intimate audience with Newsom immediately raised questions about conflicts of interest. Newsom said he paid for his meal, so it did not qualify as a lobbying payment. Newsom's got to bend over backwards and not give him any favors, said Bob Stern, the architect of California's campaign finance laws. People are going to be watching what Newsom does in terms of Kinney clients now. While Kinney worked on Newsom's transition team has continued to counsel the governor, he has launched a lobbying shop, Axiom Advisors, whose client list include major California payoutiers that spend heavily to influence state policy. Axiom reaped $10.9 worth of lobbying work in 2019-2020, the first legislative session during which Newsom was governor. Some of Axiom's clients highlight Kinney's overlapping roles. Kidney dialysis firms DeVita and Fresenius paid Axiom $475,000 this session. During the same period, Kinney earned $90,000 from the California Democratic Party, which spent money to pass a labor-backed initiative regulating kidney dialysis. Davita and Fresenicius were the measure's principal opponents. Not all Axiom's clients are major corporations. Some are just desperate to get through to the governor for survival. Theme parks have been trying to get the governor's ear this year to reopen attractions during coronavirus. Three smaller amusement park operations, Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, San Diego Coaster Crew, and Santa Monica Amusements hired Axiom on October 1st, right as Newsom officials were discussing reopening rules. The state ultimately issued guidelines last month that allowed the boardwalk and other smaller parks to operate, though the recent coronavirus surge has forced the closure of rides again. Uh, The single most remunerative remunerative client for Axiom in the last two years has been Marathon Petroleum, like I said, oil companies, giving Kenny's firm $525,000 worth of business. Marathon is a member of a powerful oil industry organization that bowed proposals to ban hydraulic fracking. Newsom called on a legislator earlier this year to send him a fracking ban. The thing that is so powerful about this luxury dinner story is that Newsom also risked the lives of Californians by violating his own COVID recommendations to party with the same oil lobbyist, said Casey Siegel, director of the Center Biolog- Biological Diversity's Climate Law Center. Whew, that's a mouthful which is playing a lawsuit over the state's issuance of oil and gas well permits. There's just so many ways that ordinary people are suffering such incredible pain, she added. It just shows his hypocrisy to be partying with an oil lobbyist in the middle of this. It's just inexcusable. Uh, it goes on to say uh, he was a pro- spokesperson for Prop 64, the 116 Newsom champion ballot initiative to legalize marijuana. Um, prominent cannabis companies hired kenny's firm so it seems like there's a lot of connection between what kenny does and what he lobbies seems to become what is newsom's priority except for oil even though his i think on his face he's trying to do the whole i i don't like oil and fracking but kenny seems to be as a good friend someone who's putting a lot of money behind the fact uh that he's lobbying to keep oil uh Despite wide common condemnations of Newsom's presence, there are several lobbyists and strategists, strategists said Kinney could still reap the benefits. Conflict of interest concerns aside, the episode demonstrates that Kinney retains Newsom's ear during a time of extremely limited in-person access to people in power. The buzz this weekend among lobbyists was how Kinney couldn't have asked for better advertising of his close ties at to Newsom. All publicity is good publicity, Mavaglio said and reporting on the dinner revealed his presence in newsom's inner circle that is very important to many interests in sacramento i worked with jason for five years and he's had a lot of negative stories about him and he seems to be doing quite well uh so yeah you can read the article share the article some more but like i said kenny is somebody who has been mentioned on this show before he is within his close circle uh when we talked about the ban on electric cars uh we did read an article. You can go back a couple episodes. We talked about that when he s- issued this executive order about banning all a, a gas cars. Sorry, did I say it before? I got it backwards. Ban electric cars. No, everyone has to go to electric cars uh, by banning gas powered cars by 2035. Uh, I did mention that Jason Kinney was in that inner circle and that his name seems to keep popping up as someone who is close with Gavin Newsom. And this is an issue this is you know gavin newsom obviously for all these people who vote for these democrats and think that there's too much big money in politics and all the bernie bros and the people like that you keep voting for the same people and gavin newsom is literally no different okay he is friends he's obviously close friends with jason kinney who is a major major probably one of the top lobbyists in sacramento and california he's obviously reaping a lot of rewards for his consulting quote unquote consulting, he's a lobbyist. Um, So for all you people who think you're going to change the machine by voting for people like Gavin Newsom or anybody who's within that circle, you're obviously not paying attention because he's only allowing lobbyists to get access to him, close lobbyists to get access to him. Lobbyists who, if you're a climate change person, if you're a person on the left who is all about the environment and being more green just keep this in mind, his closest, probably, consultant and friend who helped him with his transition team, that's not a small thing. The fact that Jason Kenney helped with his transition team into governor shows that Jason Kinney basically has the ear of Newsom whenever he wants, and if you're a climate change person or you're a greenie, the fact that this guy represents big oil and fracking should not sit well with you. So really both sides should be pissed off about this. I mean, it's obviously the hypocrisy, but the fact that he went to this dinner with this Jason Kenney is even more troubling because of the fact that he is a lobbyist. And it shows that Gavin Newsom is basically controlled by these lobbyist groups. He'll say one thing and do another. It's kind of like his executive order with the electric cars. If he was really gung ho about it and he really believed it, I said this before on the show, what he should have done is he should have had the executive order done while he was actually still in office instead he sets the deadline about nine years after he's gone convenient absolutely because the next governor can come in and just wipe away the executive order or they could say oh well we didn't meet that goal he'll be nine years down the road he'll have run for president or tried to run for president at that point no one will care but he gets the virtue signaling points with the left to say oh i tried to put this executive order to see if we can get rid of fracking and get all electric cars by the time. Because if you read the executive order, like we did on this show, it's basically all of them coming up with plans on how they can do it. Not necessarily that they are going to do it, but how these, all these different agencies and regulator, regulators in California are gonna, could plan to do it. There's not really any plan in place more than just an advisement, but who are they advising? Cause nine years down the road, after gavin newsom supposedly and hopefully doesn't i mean let's just say for worst case scenario he does win a second term he would be long gone for governor at that point so who's going to be getting this briefing about banning fracking and oil well it doesn't really matter at that point they could just bury it they could just forget about it they could just say uh you know the next governor could just get rid of it say you know tell everybody quietly we're not going to do this anymore so it's, it's on one hand, if you're on the left, and this is to anybody who out there who is a moderate Democrat who might listen to this show, this is important. I want you to hear this. Gavin Newsom obviously is only in this for the power and for the money. Okay? So he doesn't care about climate as much as you think. He issues this executive order that will have absolutely probably no bearing or no leverage or any weight however far away from here because it's 2035 is the deadline that they have to come up with this so 15 years from now he'll long be out of california politics but he gets the accolades for trying to do it right you all you all see it you see it on the news you see it on your oh my god Yath queen great good for him But at the end of the day, he does it. He gets the points, the political points, while he's dining with someone who is one of oil and gas and fracking's biggest lobbyists in California, who he gave permits to almost immediately after becoming governor. This is the two-sided face of Gavin Newsom. He'll say whatever he needs to say to stay in power and to make people believe that that he should stay in power. In reality, he's just in it for himself. He's just in it for the fancy dinners, for the, the accolades, for the attention, and for all that stuff. And if you are a Democrat out there who somehow ends up listening to this show, which I always welcome moderate Democrats because there's a lot of Democrats I know who are actually just very reasonable people. I know there's a lot of people who might listen to the show and say Democrats are all crazy. Hey, I know I love a lot of Democrats, okay? There are a lot of just everyday Democrats who believe a couple things that make them Democrats. But there are a lot of moderate common sense Democrats out there who I actually think are more libertarian, but that's a whole different thing that we've talked about before. If you're someone like that and you voted for Gavin Newsom, believing he's going to do one thing, this should be a wake up call that he is not going to do anything that he actually said he was going to do. He is not going to ban fracking. He is not going to get rid of gas powered cars. Okay, he's going to continue to take what he can get from these lob- lobbying groups. Okay, he's he's going to continue having these connections with a Jason Kinney, someone like that, who are in oil and gas and fracking while telling you on the other side, oh, I'm going to do this, this and this and it's a big empty platitude in the middle of whatever this 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 shit storm is with COVID. So. But I think there's one person, and this is a good segue into my next point. Now, I have been saying that there, in California, it's going to take a long time to kind of turn California back. Right now, California, it, turning a state like California with 40 million people and, and, and populous cities like we do in the landmass we have, is going to be like turning around an aircraft carrier. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take some time. So we have to look at things in a sense of, can we make this state in five years? Can we make a lot of this state competitive? Can we make this state purple? Can we make a lot of counties purple? Can we make counties competitive that used to not be competitive anymore? Can we do that in five years? I think there's absolutely a possibility. I think this past election in 2020 showed that we can win back a lot of seats. Mike Garcia won this week, which is absolutely huge. We have big stars like Michelle Steele, who won. She flipped the seat. You have young Kim. There's a couple of seats that were flipped. Mike Garcia held on to his seat that he flipped uh, about a year ago. This is actually his real election. So he won his special election and now he won his real election. So he gets to spend two years in Congress now. I hope he just stays there forever or as long as he can. But it's it's proof that we can slowly start to turnalize things more um, competitive and more purple. And I know a lot of you out there, and a lot of people ask me on live and stuff like that. A lot of people message me about Major Williams. Major Williams looks like a nice guy. I'm not gonna say that. You know, I follow him. I follow what he's doing on Instagram. It's basically his main platform is Instagram and what he's doing on Instagram. It's a skeleton crew. He's he's been doing a good job building a grassroots movement. Here's the thing about Major Williams, and I'm saying this in a pure strategic uh, manner. Major Williams looks like a great guy. He's too far right for California at this moment. Okay. His whole platform is very too far to the right, very conservative. And we need to focus on turning California around slowly. And I've said this before. You need someone who is more in the middle, who is more palpable who is not a Trump guy, who can turn the state around so that we can start to see? Hey, you know this, uh, you know pro-business, lower taxes kind of way of life in California with a Republican mayor. Maybe the economy starts doing well. This isn't so bad. Maybe we could keep going with guys like this. And if you remember the one person that I've been saying who would be a great challenger to Gavin Newsom. And I think should absolutely run. I think he's perfectly primed and positioned to run right now. Is San Diego's mayor Kevin Faulkner? So before everyone gets all freaked out, oh my god, you know, like Major Williams, we, we need to get behind Major Williams. I, I'm not saying Major Williams is not a good person. I'm not saying what he's doing is not very commendable and impressive with what he's doing. We have to be strategic in turning the state slowly. You can't shock the system here in California. Someone like a guy, uh, like Gavin, someone like a Major Williams would get probably absolutely slaughtered in a gubernatorial election right now. And I say that right now. I'm not saying maybe things don't change in the future, but I'm saying if you're looking to change things in two years, I don't think a Major Williams is the way to go. I think a Kevin Faulkner is a way to go. He's a moderate. He's a Republican from a coastal city. Uh, He has worked with cross-border. I didn't know this about him until this week, but supposedly he's learned to speak Spanish when he was a little kid, so he speaks Spanish. Uh, There's a lot of things. I I read a lot of articles this week about Kevin Faulkner. I'm going to post all of them. I don't want to get too specifically. All of them, uh, but it kind of stemmed out from one article to a whole bunch, but I'll post all of them so you could read more about Kevin Faulkner and why I believe he's a great pick and why it seems like I was right that he's probably getting ready for a gubernatorial run based on the way he's been tweeting and calling people out. So this first article is from Yahoo News, and it says the Republican mayor of San Diego was right to slap down Governor Newsom. And this, I guess, was the tweet heard around the state, and he this is what I've been talking about with the way Kevin Faulkner's been tweeting. You could tell he's he's turning his focus from he's termed out a mayor. He's obviously on his way out. He's got like a month left to go, a or month or so left to go. He's started to turn his focus less to saying it more towards a statewide um, presence. And the way he's been coming out and critiquing Gavin Newsom makes me think, This is not just a guy who has his sights set on being mayor and that's it. Um, So the the article goes on to talk about this tweet. Uh, And obviously it reads like a Yahoo News article. And it reads about how even though Newsom was wrong to do what he did, he still thinks that people should still listen to the experts. That's a whole different issue. Uh, The tweet that if you haven't said it, or Reddit, it says his kids can learn in person, but yours can't. He can celebrate birthday parties, but you can't. He can dine on $350 meal at one of California's fanciest restaurants during the worst recession in generations, but you definitely can't. Can you believe this? I can't. So it was a well-worded tweet. I think it was a definite shot across the bow. Um, and there's been more and more people talking and in his inner circle, talking about him considering as running in governor. Uh, the article goes on to say, so I asked him Wednesday afternoon if he's going to give it a shot in two years when Newsom's first term comes to an end. I am absolutely considering it. Faulkner told me we need new leadership. Uh, and he goes on to say, that's a steep hill to climb. Faulkner is a centrist in a state whose GOP is so far to the right. Nearly six million Californians voted for Trump. It's not clear they you'd have the same enthusiasm for a moderate Republican. But again, I think there's a lot of fever. If there's anything we saw in 2020, it's that people will vote against a candidate as much as they will vote for a candidate. And I think by 2022, after Gavin's done destroying the state, there might be a lot of people out there who want a change. So it's definitely possible. Uh, because I say we we did have a moderate Republican not too long ago, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. But nice to see someone hold a mirror up to Democratic leaders in California who can fix the state's housing crisis and can't figure out a workable plan on homelessness among a host of other problems. Uh, What's happening in the Democratic establishment is failing our state, Faulkner said. Where's the plan for schools to open? Where's the plan to make sure the power doesn't shut off when the wind blows? Homelessness is skyrocketing. It's not acceptable to have people live and die on our streets. And it goes on. You can read the whole article for yourself, but there was another article that came out. Uh, recently, that I, I'm also going to talk about because this just seems like it's building and building in his favor. Uh, this is from San Antonio Express News. Citing French laundry fiasco, San Diego Mayor looks to challenge Newsom in 2022. So it looks like now he's really, really considering this. And this was published when was this published? This was published yesterday. Uh, a potential Republican challenger is trying to seize on Governor Gavin Newsom's public relations nightmare following the governor's attendance at a dinner party at the French Laundry in anger over new state coronavirus restrictions. Outgoing San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner is strongly considering running for governor, a spokesperson for Kaufner. Faulkner said Friday. We, we need leadership right now, Faulkner said in an interview with Politico. And people are rightfully outraged that the governor sets the rules, but he doesn't follow them while Californians are sacrificing everything right now. Doo, 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 goes on to say Republicans have tried to cast Newsom as a political, vul- politically vulnerable after his dinner party fiasco. Newsom has received widespread a backlash over the November 6th dinner, where he sat in close proximity to at least a dozen people from more than three households. Goes on to talk about his tweet and the photos and how he had that fake apology. Um. Uh, Matt Albury, a spokesperson for Faulkner, said the mayor has, quote, received an outpouring of encouragement to shake up Sacramento, especially from people hard hit by hit hard by the coronavirus pandemic. Faulkner told Politico that business owners are tired of opening and closing every month. He urged people to exercise personal responsibility by wearing masks and physically distancing. Faulkner is the second high profile Republican to announce his candidacy. John Cox, a San Diego John Cox. A San Diego-area businessman who Newsom defeated handily in 2018 announced in September they formed an exploratory committee. Uh, Faulkner is seen by many Republicans and independents as a more moderate alternative to the conservative Cox. Dan Newman, a consultant for Newsom's planned re-election campaign, said Faulkner's gubernatorial ambitions aren't a surprise. Newman said the governor is more focused on responding to a pandemic than his potential 2022 opponents. There's always a field of ambitious opportunist Republicans, and this won't be any different, Newman said. Faulkner has been running for years. On Thursday, Newsom announced the state curfew, blah, blah, blah. The governor will keep his focus on reopening, recovering, and rebuilding from COVID as quickly and safely as possible. So I think, like I've said, and I know a lot of people, I might get grief from this. I might get people who say, you know, if you're not with Major Williams or someone like that, then I, I don't want to listen to it. Again, this is about strategy, in the words of George W. Bush. This is strategery right now. We have to focus on turning this aircraft carrier around slowly, bit by bit, making Republicans more relevant. And that key, that line was key that Kevin Faulkner is more of a moderate that is appealable and palpable to those independents. Now, mind you. Democrat party registration is less than 50%. Honestly, I think it's around 46% of Californians are registered Democrats. Obviously the majority, but they're not the plurality because the other more than 50% are independents or Republicans. So really a lot of Republican Republicans have been losing a lot of voters to independents. And if you could get a lot of those independents and obviously peel away, You don't have to worry about that two to one disadvantage. Everyone says, oh, well, it's two to one disadvantage, two to one disadvantage. Well, yeah, because you're comparing the 46% of Democrats to the 24% of Republicans. Obviously, that seems daunting, but there is a huge swath of independents who are sitting out there in California, and those people do not identify with either party. They're probably looking for someone who's just a rational, good leader. Now, there's a lot of people who just don't really care. They just want to be independent. They don't really feel one way or the other. But a Faulkner run, I think, is a good way to start slowly turning things back here in California. And I think it gives people faith that if you could elect someone like a Kevin Faulkner here in California, that the sky is the limit. Right now, it's this belief that there's never going to be another Republican governor, that there's never going to be. Any change here in California that's always going to be this crazy state of socialism and far-fetched ideas, but you could shock the country by electing a Republican in Kevin Faulkner, and not Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know Arnold Schwarzenegger was a moderate Republican. He, I think he, he got in at the right time because of the recall and his name recognition. I think people were just kind of laughing at the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually running. I mean, he still won. He still got it, so... But I think Kevin Faulkner has the chops to win. Okay. He pulls behind Gavin Newsom at in 2018. He pulled at second behind Newsom for governor. Okay. That's big in a state with a lot of Democrats and a lot of big names. He pulled behind Gavin Newsom. So it showed even before he throws his hat in the ring that more people, people kind of gravitated towards him. Right. And as I've said before, he's run a coastal city. He's moderate. He's supportive of LGBT. He runs a lot of the cross-border issues. Supposedly he speaks... I didn't know this, but I guess he speaks Spanish since he was a little kid. So he that's something else to reach out. A story about when he ran for mayor. He ran his campaign from a small office in an area of San Diego. That is obviously not the nicest area, but... Um, I think it's Southeast San Diego, which is uh, close to like national city in that area. And it's not known for having a lot of Republicans down there. But I think he's someone who has the even keel after Newsom and all of this stuff and the fire and all that. I think people just kind of are looking for a a, a principled, reasonable, moderate leader who is going to bring them. They may look at Gavin Newsom and say he's gone way too far left. He got a little crazy. He has, you know, San Diego did a pretty good job out of all the counties. I think we did really well. That was partly due to, to Kevin Faulkner and what he did. He jumped on a lot of issues right away. Um, but I think that's what people are looking for. So I know I'll get a lot of flack, but I've been saying this again and again and again. You have to think about this strategically going forward. And we've got two years to look at who could be the next governor of California, i don't think a radical change like a major williams at this point would win or be good for us overall it's about slowly turning back i would rather have a moderate republican like kevin faulkner than a far left power hungry narcissistic uh newsome newsom in power because i know at least you're going to have a governor who pushes for pro business pro low taxes Um, And common sense, regular and these common sense solutions that will help all Californians is a major Williams. I would say this about Major Williams. He obviously has the chops to go out there to get people together. Um, Would I say he's probably best suited right now? And I think if he wants to really get in there and change things, shooting for governor is a huge, huge thing. It's not going to change everything. But Major Williams is a skilled person. I can see on his Instagram, he is charismatic. People like him. He can grow a following. He knows how to work social media and get that grassroots going. Here's a suggestion for Major Williams. Start, okay, start with maybe flipping a seat in the California State Legislature, okay? Okay start by helping to get rid of the Democratic supermajority that is going on in California, because it doesn't matter, a Republican governor can only do so much. He can stop the craziness from being signed into law, of course, he can do some executive order things, he can clean up the executive branch. Sure, there's a lot of agencies in California that could be cleaned up and made more efficient, but a Republican legislature can do a lot as well. So I would suggest that for Major Williams. He's got the chops. I don't think he's, you know, it's not that I don't think he's a great person. I I just think there, we have to think about this strategically. So with that, I'm going to end it Went a little over this week, but there was a lot to get to. Follow me on California Underground on Instagram. I post a lot of stuff there. We have our live every Wednesday, California Coffee and California Politics. Email me at CaliforniaUnderground at ProtonMail.com. Listen here every week. Tell your friends, subscribe, like, share, review.